Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Rebecca Reed, the author of the book Rude, Stop Being Nice and Start Being Bold. Rebecca is a journalist and media personality. She regularly appears on Good Morning Britain, where she debates politics and social issues. She's also a columnist. She writes for Marie Claire, The Guardian, The Telegraph, and The Independent. Rebecca went around and surveyed people all over the world and interviewed people about the topic of rudeness. And she has broken rudeness down into two types. There's positive rudeness and negative rudeness. So she's not advocating being mean, but she is advocating being able to stand up for yourselves, set boundaries, and say no when you don't want to do something. Really excited to speak with Rebecca today about how can we teach our teens to advocate for their own needs and wants, to stand up for the boundaries that they set about what they want to do with their body and what they don't want to do with their body, And what's the best way to teach them to be assertive like this without crossing over into the bad kind of rudeness? Really excited to speak with Rebecca today about all that and more. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. The book is called Rude. Stop being nice and start being bold. And... It's really fun to read. It's got a lot of great stories from your life and from some famous historical figures and celebrities and really dives into your journey. As I think this passage kind of sums it up pretty well. You say, the last decade of my life has been a journey to deprogram myself, a mission to unlearn the messages I was taught as a child and teenager. With every year that passes, I become ruder, and it's no coincidence that the ruder I get, the happier and more successful I become. Rudeness, I realize, is a talent, and rather than shying away from it, I'm going to turn it into my own personal superpower. So, what set you on this journey to reprogram yourself, and why do you think rudeness is your superpower? So, I think I had, on some level, been kind of trying to reprogram myself basically from from you know the time that I turned 18 sort of those early adult years but the tipping point was basically that I was doing a debate on tv which was part of my job because I'm a journalist I used to do a lot more of it than I do now but basically I would go on tv and they would sit me next to somebody who thought the exact opposite (laughs) and then we would like scream at each other for three and a half minutes and nobody would change their mind and nobody would actually get a word in edgeways and I was so used to doing this this I was on with this guy who had been trying to wind me up 
when we were getting mic'd up and going on set, he was kind of niggling at me, trying to get me to respond. Um, And eventually in this debate, um, they asked me a question and he had already spoken quite a lot. And it's a really short time slot. And he started talking over me because I said something that had offended him. And I started shushing him like you like you would with a child. And um, I just absolutely lost my temper and went like that. And then I said something like, we can both keep talking or I can talk, but I'm not going to stop talking. Um, And it was the first time in my life, like I have been talked over a lot in my life, like a lot of women have. Um, But it was the first time where I just saw red and I was like, no, sorry, not happening anymore. And then um, the British newspapers, you know, got very obsessed with it for about half an hour. Um, And it was, you know, on the Daily Mail and all those websites, they called me Rebecca Rude. Um, And I went and I I had a conversation with my sister a couple months later. We were having a glass of wine and I said, um, you know, I'm really upset. I'm still upset about this. Like, I'm not a rude person. And she was like, well, you kind of are. Like, you're not nasty. You're not a bad person, but you're very direct. You're very assertive. And, and that seems to be kind of why you get places in life hmm. and so I decided that um, rather than spending all my time worrying about being perceived as rude I was just going to lean into it and see what happened and so what happened? Um, so generally speaking my life got a lot better I mean obviously I wrote the book which was great yeah. um, so I started the process by writing a diary of all the things I did in a day either because I didn't want to seem rude or I was worried about somebody thinking I was rude. And I realized that my days were just, even though I was a relatively assertive person to start with, my days were just saturated with all this stuff about, you know, I apologized for every email I sent. I, um, if I was 30 seconds late to a meeting, I would be abjectly apologetic. Um, You know, I would run up a flight of stairs as fast as I could if I thought someone was behind me so that they wouldn't have to walk slower because I was there. If I was sitting on the tube, I would like squeeze myself up to make myself as small as possible so I wasn't taking up other people's space. And that's from somebody who is kind of assertive. So, you know, for other people, I think it's even worse. Um, And once I stopped doing that stuff, um, you know, people responded better to me. I felt like I had more energy. I was happier, more confident. Um, and yeah, I feel like I, I have a lot more of my life back from not worrying constantly about seeming rude. Where does this come from? You talking here about research about the adolescent female brain um, and there's this kind of myth that girls mature faster than boys what do you think about that yeah so I think what happens is there is this myth that girls mature faster than boys um and we know generally speaking I mean there is a little bit that we women do sort of tend to start puberty in a more comprehensive way earlier yeah um but in terms of emotional maturity it's very hard to know how much it's that women actually do become sort of emotionally mature faster and how much of it is that we expect different behavioral standards of girls and of boys at different levels um but we do know that from watching girls and boys in the playground at school etc um different behavioral standards are expected before puberty starts boys are generally expected to be energetic and rambunctious and outgoing and even aggressive whereas girls are expected to play nicely and to share and to be sort of more well-behaved in the classic term. Um, and in reality, you know, all children can be either of those things. Little boys can be sweet and good at sharing, and little girls can be aggressive and, and direct. 
and children should be raised with good expectations for, the, for their behaviour consistently, not specific to their gender. And I do think that parents probably do better now than they did when I was a child. Um, I'm 30, so I was born in the 90s. And I think back then there really were different expectations of boys and girls. But then I, I worked in childcare in between 2013 and 2015. And I spent a lot of time sitting on the side of the playground watching kids play. And even then, I really did see a difference in the expectations, particularly in terms of aggression. And um, I think girls are still expected to fight with their words, not with their hands, whereas boys are allowed that physical outlet. And while obviously I don't condone physical violence, I think there's a process that happens when you are allowed to play fight and fight safely as a child. I think it enables you to kind of grow into an, an adult who's able to express themselves and their frustration, whereas girls miss that step. They are, they are supposed to go straight from having these big feelings to knowing exactly how to deal with them immediately. So how does this play out as we get older and become teenagers in our friendships? You write uh, that when you were a teenager, you and your friend decided to break up, which is something that's really uncommon. Tell me about that. So the dynamics of teenage girls and their friendships are really complicated. Um, and I went to an all-girls school, which means that th those um, relationships are even more intense, I think. Right. Um, so in my experience, because girls are not socialised to be actively aggressive, they tend to become passively aggressive, which tends to, to come out in terms of kind of gossiping, talking about each other behind each other's backs, that kind of classic mean girls dynamic. And so when I was a teenager, one of the things that happened in order to try and avoid those dynamics, though not that I avoided them completely, um, was that my, my, I was a, a part of a friendship group of three um, and two of us decided that the friendship with the third wasn't particularly healthy anymore. So he basically said, I think we all need to stop. We need to take a step away from each other. We, sh we should effectively break up. Yeah. And, you know, we were teenagers. We were very dramatic. We went out for lunch, <laughs> like we exchanged letters. It was all very intense. And I, looking back at it, I kind of cringe. But I do think that was the early beginnings of trying to express something negative in a positive way. Mm. And I think that we generally aren't great at finding those ways to have difficult conversations because we don't want to seem rude we don't want to seem unkind we don't want to seem ungenerous but actually that was a lot better it's a lot it's a lot less rude if you really think about it than to say to somebody i'm not sure this friendship is working anymore than it is to continue being their friend for years while secretly hating them and possibly talking about them behind their back and i feel like also that today's teenagers are in such the generation of ghosting uh where you just never really have that talk and say hey i don't know if this is really working out maybe let's put some distance between each other you just sort of stop talking to the person or start really um turning down all their invitations and sort of like just shutting down the communication a little bit and so it actually strikes me that what you did it was really cool because you like brought closure to the relationship instead of just sort of letting it fizzle out or um, as sort of leaving it hanging. And that's hard to do. And that's something that a lot of teenagers today don't do. And I think 
lack the skills to do? I think what's really difficult is that for teenagers now, in the age of social media, so when I was a teenager, we did have like MySpace and Bebo and Facebook. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we did have the beginnings of it, but it was AOL Instant Messenger. Exa- exactly, and 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 though and though I remember the problems that those presented, you know, like do you delete somebody on Facebook when you stop being friends with them? All of those things. Yeah. But actually, now we have a slightly different relationship with social media, where it's normal to follow somebody on Instagram or, or on Snapchat or wherever else, who is kind of your friend, but not your, not intensely your friend. Yeah. And I think it's really difficult because it means that you have a viewfinder into other people's lives, even when they're not your close friends. Mm. So actually ending a friendship for teenagers now is much harder because you are sort of still linked to that person on some level. Yeah. Um, and that's really difficult. But I think, again, it's and, and that's why ghosting is so easy because you can still get as much information on that person as you want right. without actually having to interact with them so you can still go to school and be like oh my god did you see what she was wearing on her stories without actually having to even you know ever interact with that person and it's really difficult but i think a positive thing to encourage is you know to say to your teenager what do you expect from other people in terms of your social media? And therefore, what do you owe other people in terms of your usage of their social media? You know, if somebody is screenshotting your stories and talking about it, do you feel okay about that? And if not, then why are you doing it to other people? And it's fostering that culture of, you know, a new culture of respect. And I think for parents, having been a nanny to teenagers in my mid-20s, the thing that I think is really important is being willing to learn, being able to say to your daughter, so what is a streak on Snapchat? What is, like, what are stories? All of this stuff, like, it's embarrassing. Nobody wants to be the old person who doesn't understand technology. Right. But actually, if you're going to have these conversations, you've got to do the legwork and say, look, I want to understand what this is. And I also think it helps to even try it a little bit yourself and, you know, be genuinely like interested in it or asking. I think, uh, you know, teenagers don't mind talk they like being the expert and being able to share the knowledge with you um and so if you approach them in the right way about it where it doesn't seem like you're being negative or like you're gonna try to get them in trouble about it but like you're genuinely interested in it then a lot of times uh they'll open up yeah and i think you know i really remember that confusing thing when you're a teenager where you've gone from thinking your parents are the greatest people in the world to thinking they're the worst people in the world but you still on some level want their approval and i think a really great way to feel for your teenager to feel approved of is to engage with them and when we talk about rudeness you know i think different generations have completely different perceptions of what rudeness is and actually you know for for the i i have family members who are older who think that everything on facebook has been posted to them like they think that everything on their news is a direct message right. so they think if they don't reply to everything they are being rude <laughs> um so it is like it's really important whereas you know when if you are somebody who has a snapchat streak going and you're 450 days in and you ignore somebody's message that is like the height of rudeness whereas to me if i don't reply to somebody for a couple of days eh no big deal right. so i think it's about having that conversation about what like, what does positive rudeness and negative rudeness mean within your own life because we are kind mm. of operating in different stratas here and we've got to understand what the rules are in each other's communities so that's cool and that's a theme that runs through the book is that there are kind of two different types of rudeness positive and negative rudeness and what can you walk through like what those are and maybe that's something that would be good to have a 
conversation with your teenager about kind of pointing out that some some rudeness is good and some rudeness is bad and you're thinking about how to differentiate those so um the general explanation that i give in terms of rude, positive and negative rudeness is that if you're in a restaurant um if you click your fingers for instance at a waiter that's the that's negative rudeness that's not acceptable you can't do that that's terrible you shouldn't date people who do that. That's <laughs> But if somebody brings you a bowl of soup that's completely cold, saying, hi, I ordered soup. It was supposed to be hot. Yeah, Could right. I please have it heated? Uh, without apologizing, without saying, I'm so sorry, I'm probably just being fussy, which is my natural instinct. But just to say, right. hi, uh, this soup is cold. Could you reheat it, please? So it's being firm and consistent in your messaging without feeling self-conscious. And I think in terms of talking to your teenagers about it, um, it's really important that you give your teenagers a sense that there are times when being really rude is really great. So if somebody is touching your body in a way that doesn't feel comfortable or isn't something that you're consenting to, then telling them without worrying about their feelings to stop touching you. You don't have to sugarcoat it. You don't have to be sweet about it. You can say, take your hands off my body. And similarly, if you're placed in a situation, you know, if somebody is saying, you know, the classic example with peer pressure is always drugs or smoking. And personally, I've always found that people don't really want to share their drugs or cigarettes. So I've never actually had somebody being like, have one. It's like, please have one. Um, But if you do find yourself in a situation where you are being pressured into doing something that you want, again, not trying not to be rude is a main reason that we don't say no to things. So saying, you know, there are, if somebody perceives you as rude, that is not a big deal. It's not a bad thing. It could even be a good thing. You are allowed to say, um, a good example is I remember a friend of mine being at a friend's house and eating meat even though she's a vegetarian um, oh. she was about 14 and she just didn't feel like she felt it was she'd been raised that it was rude right. not to eat meat but in front of they you spent a lot of time cooking parents, it so nice of them exactly, to and they've gone to effort and, and, and she hadn't mentioned that she was vegetarian because she was a shy young girl right. and I think her parents had failed to equip her with the skills to say this is so kind of you. Thank you so much for cooking. But actually, I don't eat meat, so I'm just going to eat the side dish or whatever. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 telling your child. I know I've raised you that good manners are important, but there are lots and lots and lots of exceptions to that rule. And here is how you approach it. So then. The downside of this is then your kid is going to be rude to you. <laughs> um, so I think if your kid is being rude to you, then they're communicating with you and yeah. they are engaging with you. For me, the worst, and again, I've been a nanny, but I haven't had children myself. But for me, my experience is that if somebody is being rude to you, A, we need to talk about whether it's positive or negative rudeness. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's really important for teenagers to learn to kick out against your thing. So I remember saying that I hated my parents' taste in music, that I didn't want to go to church, that I didn't want to borrow my mom's clothes. My mom has great clothes. It's not that. And I, and I, re- and I didn't actually hate church. I just right. wanted to kick out against the things that they, their values, because I was trying different things on. And that is a form of positive rudeness as long as it's handled in a tactful way. So saying, um, listen, I don't want to go to church with you this weekend because I don't know how I feel about that. It's fine swearing and slamming doors is not but i would say any situation in which your teenager is communicating with you about their wants and needs 
I think is always a really great place to be. It's when they're silent and they're freezing you out. That's the kind of rudeness I would really struggle to cope with. Yeah. Then it's sometimes hard to to tease out the two. But also I think that that it, it starts at home. And it's easy to feel insulted when your kid doesn't want to come to church with you and well this is we do this every week and this is our tradition and this is what we believe in and it feels like kind of a slap in the face but so recognizing that that's actually maybe a positive thing that you know you could have a conversation about well the way that you said it when you said church is stupid and I hate it um, that was really hurtful you know maybe there's a, a better way that you could communicate yeah, exactly. that or allowing them to assert themselves in those kind of ways um yeah and i think there's a conversation to be had where you say to your child i think you're still figuring out what the line is and what the good kind of rude and what the bad kind of rude is i'm really proud that you feel able to say to me i don't want to do x or i don't want to do y but if you could express it like this i would feel more comfortable and more receptive but i think you're doing something right if your child feels safe to try these things out with you um you know you're doing something wrong if your child is afraid to be rude to you because they think they're going to get in trouble that's when something's gone wrong because we shouldn't i mean i think you know it's 2021 i don't think children should be afraid of their parents i think that's a very old-fashioned outdated form of parenting yeah but also then I think there's uh, other strategies that we use to keep our kids in line that even like emotional manipulation where that our kid maybe doesn't want to um, say those kinds of things because it will hurt our feelings. Or, mm. you know, some parents use that like, oh, but I spent so long cooking this and, oh, you don't want to eat some of it kind of or any of those kinds of things that instead of just like discipline and yelling at the kid we also use kind of more subtle tactics like that sometimes i think to send the same message which is well that's rude don't don't do that um yeah absolutely and i think the problem is that um we are you know when you're trying to unlearn your relationship with rudeness while trying to raise a child with a positive attitude towards rudeness you're trying to teach yourself and them at the same time and that's really hard But again, this just goes back to having the conversation where you say, I'm sorry that I yelled at you for not wanting to eat the bolognese that I made. Um, I spent a lot of time cooking and you did not tell me that you have become a vegan this week. I respect that it's your right to choose what you put in your body, but you have responsibility. If you're going to make adult choices about what you eat, you have to act like an adult, which means informing me within good time and possibly offering to take on some of the cooking. And I think that, the, you know, but the more I've always felt, the more, the earlier you talk to a child like an adult, the earlier they will start to behave like an adult in response to you. Um, and I think, you know, it's the same as when you start cooking with your child, allowing them to actually use a knife under supervision, allowing them to touch meat, all of that stuff that people try and protect kids from. The more responsibility you give a child, the more responsible they will be. And, and rudeness is just another aspect of that. The more you trust them to make those choices, the better their choices will be we're here with rebecca reed talking about how to teach your teenager to advocate for themselves and stand up for their boundaries and we're not done yet here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show if you could raise an eloquent direct child that is a skill because if somebody says that to your child in front of you 
you need to say something immediately. Mm. And that is a little bit embarrassing. If Auntie Donna says, oh, he pushed you over because he liked you. You've got to say, Donna, that's not how we talk to our children. That is not why he pushed her. Mm. He has issues with aggression. That's why he pushed her. Because otherwise, if you let it go and then you talk to your kid in the car on the way home three hours later, that message has already been absorbed. They might have forgotten on some superficial level. And also what you've really said is, Auntie Diana said something terrible, but I was not able to say anything about it to yeah, her. So right. I've waited. To talk. So it's it's calling things out immediately. And it's modeling that positive rudeness, actually, exactly. right for your kid exactly. right there. Yeah, it's doing it on two levels. It's not allowed. And, and I think similarly, um, if you are around people who are using racist language or sexist language or homophobic language, things like that, it's not good enough anymore to wait until the car journey home to say mm. uncle Ron shouldn't have used the N word. You need to say in front of them, I'm sorry, that's not a word that we use or that we're comfortable having used in front of us. And it is modeling that positive rudeness, even when it is uncomfortable and it might ruin the, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. Apart from, you know, some issues about body image, I would say that my parents were like nigh on perfect parents and one of the reasons they were so great is because they they were busy. They had their own social life. They had their own friends. They were not all about us. And particularly when we were teenagers, their stance was, I need to know where you are and I need to know that you're safe. And other than that, you do you. And in my household as a child, which I hope to emulate if and when I have children, every Sunday we had lunch and we were encouraged to be at home between like one and four on a Sunday. It wasn't obligatory, but it was encouraged. Other than that, they didn't really care what we did or where we went because it was our time to grow and to change and to develop. And I think there's a lot to be said for saying, you know where we are, but I'm not going to be desperate to see you. I have my own social life. I have my own job. I don't need your attention or your approval, though I'm very glad when I have it. And I think not being a needy parent is probably the single greatest thing you can do. And what it's created in my case is that me and my siblings are now obsessed with my parents. Like, we just want to hang out with them all the time. We yeah. think they're the best people. We think they're so cool. And we're we're the ones being like, oh, can we come stay? And they're like, sorry, we're going to Aruba or whatever. And I yep. think that's, that's the better way around to have it. You don't want to be the sad parent calling, being like, why do you never visit? Yeah, right. You never I'm call, just sitting around right. waiting for you to come by. Yeah. Exactly. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable. And your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.